Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. I'm really happy to be with you. We're in our 19th year here on Voice America. You know, today we have, I think, a very difficult subject, but also one that has hope. And my guest today is Amy Friedman. And Amy is an author and a prison rights activist. And she knows how children of people in prison feel. And she offers them a safe and supportive space to share their feelings and to support each other, to recognize their strength and their resilience. And uh, she has created, she has a mission, and it's called POPS, P-O-P-S. And it's to celebrate members, writers and artists who've been published and have written anthologies. And the name of the book is Dreamcatchers. POPS, P-O-P-S, The Club's Anthologies. And it's an enlightening inspiration collection of art, prose, and poetry by high school students with unique perspective. They've encountered the pain of the prison system. Most have incarcerated loved ones. By telling and sharing their stories, they not only start the process of healing, but also illuminate a world of many who are unfamiliar with it. Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much, Patricia, and thanks for that beautiful introduction. Yeah. Why the interest in this? Why did you decide to do this? Were you affected personally by this? I was. This comes from a very personal place for me. Um, 28 years ago, um, I was a newspaper columnist. Um, I was visiting prisons to write about prison. I, I felt it was important to understand prison. Um, and I wound up falling in love with and marrying a man who was in prison, um, and raising his daughters. Um, so we were married for seven years. We, we ended up getting divorced, but the girls, of course, I never divorced. They remain my daughters to this day. And in those years, especially, and especially when they were younger, I, I, Understood, came to understand in a deep way how profoundly the stigma that they had, that had touched them, had affected them. It had turned them into, I used to sort of joke, half jokingly say they were world class liars because what they had learned to do was to lie um, and hide everything about their, their father's, their father and their personal lives. And you know what that does, you know, we're, we're kind of only as sick as our secrets. Um, so it, it created a great deal of isolation for them. It caused depression and anxiety. Um, they struggled in school. There were all kinds of, of impacts um, as a result. Um, years after we divorced, I remarried a man who um, I'm still married to, um, who is a high school teacher who's the co-founder of POPs. Um, and uh, what is, Amy, what does POP sta- stand for? POP, POP stands for Pain of the Prison System. Uh, um, the name was selected by the very first club. Um, the kids yeah. in that club wanted 
this is where one of the kind of pieces of joy comes in. They wanted the name to reflect the pain they experienced, but they also wanted the, the reason for pops is that it sounded like the way the room felt, which was full of energy and joy and connection. Mm. So, um, but Dennis, Dennis was teaching um, and I would sometimes go into his classrooms to work with kids on personal essay and memoir. And both of us started to recognize how many kids there were in his classrooms who had experienced what my daughters had, who had fathers, mothers, siblings who were incarcerated and who were keeping that secret held pretty close. Hmm. So we talked for, for years, actually, we talked about how we could help those kids. And there was a kind of revelatory moment one day when I just said, we should start a club. And, and thus it was born exa- almost exactly eight years ago to this week. Hmm. So... Um, you know, it, I, I, you know the thing. The whole concept is is painful and difficult. But what you've been able to do is you've been able to transform it um, by looking at you know what are the gifts, what are the stories, what are the talents of the children, you know, of the significant people in in uh, people who are incarcerated in their lives. And so that's I think that's quite a contribution, Amy. Well, thanks. And, and I have to say, there's a, there, it takes a village. It's been a huge village of people who, who have made this work. Um, I'll tell you, I, I want to tell you one little story because I think it sure. it's so um, illustrates the way POPs works, which is the very first meeting, we, we have a few rules for POPs for each of the clubs. And the very first club was at Venice High School in Los Angeles. Um, and the very first girl who walked into the room, one of the rules is there must be food. Because you know when you gather with people, you have to have food, right? Breaking bread, breaking, breaking boundaries. And um, the very first girl walked in the room, she was a 10th grader. She picked up her sandwich, she sat down. And the second girl who walked into the room, another 10th grader, looked at her. They looked at each other with such astonishment it turned out that these two girls who were both in 10th grade had been friends with each other since they were in kindergarten, close mm-hmm. friends. And the one secret they had never shared with each yeah, other was it turned they out know. they both had incarcerated fathers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The relief and the joy and the connection between them, we, you could see it on their faces in a minute. And mm-hmm. we that just that kind of connecting and relief and... Um, support just continues. Hmm. How do you decide on the stories? Do people just contribute whatever they feel? Do you have a vetting process? Do you? How do you do that? Um, that's a great question. So, um, part part of where the anthologies came from, I just want to give a little context, is because both my husband and I are writers. Um, obviously, we. We wanted to encourage writing, and then that curriculum that we have has kind of grown to include all kinds of art. So, but always from the beginning, I wanted to publish their work that they created through the clubs in beautiful books because partially I wanted to celebrate them, and partially I feel like there is so much inside these books 
that will help people understand teenagers and will help people understand particularly this group of teenagers. Um, but what happens is um, the meetings are, are not long. They meet once a week and mostly they're at lunch hour. Lunch hours are pretty short in schools. Um, so what happens is we, there are all kinds of prompts that we give and then the clubs are led by volunteers, many of whom are teaching artists of one kind or another, um, who work with kids on their first forays and, you know, like they'll maybe have a prompt and everybody will write a few lines and then something might just stick for somebody. Um, we do encourage them to submit work for publication. Sometimes it, sometimes it takes a while for someone to feel brave enough to put it out there. Um, and, and the process of selection really is if they've worked on it, if it feels um, like it, it has something to say, I guess, um, it's accepted and published. So um, the, all of the pieces that appear in the book are, are poems and stories and essays and photographs and drawings and paintings that have gone through a process of getting feedback, getting revised, Mm-hmm. Um, Amy, do you want to share one? We have about four minutes to break for the first break. So why don't you pick out something that I know I'm sure many of them are fantastic and speak to you, but just pick out one that you I think our audience. That. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to pick out one of the ones that I just love. That's kind of sad, but it's called I'm Looking for a New Heart by John Bembry. I'm looking for a new heart. Mine is damaged beyond repair. It works sometimes or never or when it wants to. It doesn't do well with anger. It will erupt like a volcano burning friendships or itself. It doesn't show too many emotions. It feels cold in my chest and tends to make me numb. It seems to react to pain more than anything. Having a fun memory can trigger the pain it once felt. It enjoys darkness and solitude. I've put a lot of work into it. It was almost completely broken. And I'm not sure if this is how a heart should feel. If anyone has a heart and doesn't mind lending it, that would be great. I can't Mm. physically take it, of course, but maybe it can mend mine into what it should be. It takes so much willpower and focus on the future to not let it affect me mentally. At least I know my mind is strong. And as for my heart, it's going to take a lifetime of treatment to return it to normal, if it ever has been. I just hope to feel true happiness one day. Mm, makes me cry. It really does. Wow, yeah. that is so powerful. Ooh. Yeah. Whoa. Mm. And he's a rapper, so when he, I wish oh. he were reading it because when he does it, mm. it's really, really powerful. Um, wow. But he, mm. I got to say, he's doing well, this young man. He. Um, well, he's in touch he's, with it, and I think that's what's fantastic. You know, it's when, yeah. it's when you have that heart that is totally cold and, um, and, and, and you've numbed it, then you can't feel anything. And so that's what's, what's I think, really helpful is that he feels it. He, he gets it. He's aware. Yep. 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 He's a, he's a great kid. I'm, I'm happy to be able to celebrate him. And he's doing well. He is doing well. He um, he actually is a graduate of the program. Um, he's now 
gosh, I think he's probably 23 or 4 now. Um, and he's really, he's really finding himself. He's a, he's a performer, a musician, a poet, an artist. Um, and then he does jobs to make a living, right? Yeah, but you know, so that's all kinds often, of odd jobs. I mean, if you, if you think about a lot of famous artists, and we've heard their stories, they've had stories like this. And they work, they work through their pain through their art, whether of it's course. painting or music. Yeah, I mean, that's how they work through it. Amazing. Very, um, you know, inspiring and sad and all of the emotions. My guest today is Amy Friedman, and she is the collector of these amazing stories called Dreamcatchers, Pops, the Club Anthology. And she launched the school-based program, which is really POP stands for Pain of the Prison System, with her husband, a writer and high school teacher. And they have writing and art and mindfulness and empowerment. And in this book is an anthology of prose, poetry, and art. We're going to talk more about what it is like for children, students, family members to go through the prison system, what it's like for the significant others with Amy Friedman, who went through it with a family member. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input, too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Do you want to hear a show about football? How about football moms? What if we told you that was just a start? Tune in for Double Down with Garrett and Mack. Audrey Garrett and Jeracy Mack are moms to some well-known NFL players. Sure, they'll talk football and raising their kids to achieve greatness, but they'll also talk about community and world issues, motherhood, news, and lifestyle topics. Listen in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. 
Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Hello, everyone, and we are back. Uh, My guest today is Amy Friedman. She is an author and prison rights activist. She knows how children of people in prison feel because she offers them a safe and supportive space to share their feelings and to support each other in recognizing their strength and resilience. Seven years ago, she launched the school-based program POPS, which stands for, it's a club, stands for Pain of the Prison System. And in this, uh, in this club, there are weekly meetings, there's a curriculum, and also the book is called Dream Catchers. And this book is an anthology. It's of art, prose, and poetry created by its members. And again, this year's collection, Dreamcatchers, represents the work of students from the Pops Clubs in Los Angeles, New York City, Atlanta, and Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Welcome back, Amy. Thanks, Patricia. Okay, so here's the tough question, but this is the question we really need to know. What are the most common misunderstandings about people who are in prison and about their families? You know, I just the other day, I was in an interview with a number of, we, we are in a couple of middle schools in Georgia, and I was in an interview with um, six or seven of those kids. So they're young, they're 13, 14 years old, and the interviewer asked one of the kids, um, something, I, I can't remember exactly how she phrased it, but, but something like, well, why, why do you love your dad? Um, and this kid, so articulate, she said, you know, my father is not a bad person. He did a bad thing, and he's being punished for it, and I mm. love him. Mm. Um, and that sort of, I'm, I'm giving you a little storytelling answer to this, but that sort of prompted the principal, who was also on that call, to pipe up and say that one day, years earlier, she had received a letter from a man about his son and his grades, and the letter was from a man who was in prison, and, it, and she said it was like a light bulb went off in her head that, of course, people who are in prison still love their children, and mm. still worry about them and care about them and are connected. So when that particular principal heard about POPs, that's how we wound up in her school because she realized they needed it there. Um, so I, I think that the, the main, I mean, I think that that answer that that young woman gave is so profound. It's that people who are in prison are also people mm-hmm. and they have families and they have, you know, parents and, and children and spouses and brothers and sisters who they love and who do love them. And, you know, I, I think it's just so easy to forget that. I, I know when I first went into prison, when I was the newspaper columnist, what someone said to me when I first walked in, if you want to understand how prison works and how prison affects people, you should meet their families. Hmm. And it was just yeah. the smartest thing anybody said. You know, that, you know, that is how yeah. I came to understand. It's interesting you say that because when you were talking, I was thinking about an incident that I had, and it was exactly that. So I'm going to repeat it, but I didn't mention it. Um, had a, a holiday dinner a couple of years ago with a couple, and she was um, she was not a warden, but she was like um, 
Yeah, like a counselor in prison. I guess it was it was a warden. She ran, you know, she really talked to the people. And her husband was a cop in her city. And we were talking about this with my daughter. And I remember him looking at us and saying, the worst part of this is what it does to the families. It's because mm-hmm. it's not just about them. It's about all of the people that are affected around them that affects them for life. And I remember that. You know, really, I just remember him talking about that, that that was just so, you know, so much part of it. And um, I remember asking her, you know, why she really enjoyed that. She was there for like 40 years. And she said, you know, she said, I found people in prison, a lot of them very bright, very smart, yeah. very interesting people. And and you think about it. You think about what they can do. You know, if they can do it, you know, against the law, what can they do for the law, you know, with that kind of mind? So, um, but the question is, and here's my question, do they ever get that opportunity when they get out or are they so stigmatized that they don't get a second chance or do they? Some do. Uh, Some do. Some do. It's challenging. I think, I think one of the things, I mean, I know a lot, a lot of people who have been in prison um, and many of them are doing very well in life. It never leaves them. Um, it, you know, that the, there are, I, I'm thinking in particular of one young man who, um, who I know who went to prison when he was very young and he did, uh, he got a ridiculously long sentence, but his sentence was commuted, but he did nine years in prison hmm. and he has done magnificently well. He got out, he got, um, university degree, he got a great job, he's, written books. He's extraordinary. But many of his friends from inside are still inside and his heart, a lot of his heart still is in there with many of them. So let me um, tell you, and, a sec, there's my question, Amy. So mm-hmm. what's the difference? What's the difference between him on the outside who's making his life work in on the outside world and those who stayed in? What's the difference? Um, oh, I think that's such a complicated question <laughs> um, because, you know, I, I think each person's story is individual. So there are millions of stories, thousands of stories, hundreds of thousands of stories. Um, I think part of what helps people is having loved ones who right, stand support. by them. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, and, and part of, I tell you, like part of what, that makes me think it's not precisely to your question, but it does make me think that part of what's difficult for people who are outside is it's hard to be in prison. And, um, it's, and, and the people who love the people who are inside are always worried, you know, especially, I mean, right now is a terrible time because of what COVID is doing inside Mm. our institutions. Mm. Um, Prison visits are cut off. I mean, it's it's dreadful. Um, and one of the things that if if you love somebody inside, you don't want to make their life harder. So you don't you don't go telling them about your problems that result because of their incarceration. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of secret keeping there too, and that's just another you know another secret to have to carry around um, when. So, I mean, that. Just, I wish I, I wish I had the answer to that because I, I, you know, I think if there were a pill that we could 
give people and yeah. they would like get out and so be what, fine. So what you're saying is it's a circumstance. It's how much support you have. You know, what? Uh, what is your attitude like? Uh, what yeah, are your it's circumstances? You know, people who have done long prison sentences, some of the some of the maybe wisest people I know, um, I call them kind of philosopher kings or people who did tremendously long sentences um, and accepted responsibility for what they had done and mm-hmm. became really deep thinkers and um, really, really thought about who they were and what their responsibility was and how much they cared about being free. You know, if, if you're not in prison, you don't always think about being free. Mm-hmm. When you are in prison, you think about it a lot. <clears throat> yeah. You think about what freedom is. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what about, you know, the hardships that children face you know, who have yeah. incarcerated loved ones. You know, what do they endure in school and what do they endure elsewhere? I mean, we talked about how people keep it, a lot of children and young adults keep it as a secret, but what are the hardships that they would go through if they didn't keep it a secret? Well, um, and not all of them do. You know, I, I think that there's a couple things. One is um, very simply the financial burden. Um, especially when it's a parent, especially when it's the breadwinner who goes away. Um, the, the impact on um, our populations of color and poor populations is profound. Um, it's, it's expensive. You know, I mean, a phone call from prison um, is always a collect call. And the, I think it's, I, I can't remember exactly what it costs now per minute, but I know at one time not long ago it was 75 cents a minute. So every time you get a phone call, you know, there's hundreds of dollars. There's hundreds of dollars to travel to visit if you're going to visit. Um, there's the loss of the family income. There's also visiting um, is not easy. Um, I, there, I don't have this poem in front of me. I wish I did. Um, but I know there are a couple of girls who've written a lot about over the years about what it's like to go visit dad. And, you know, you can't, you can't have a bra on that has an underwire because that will buzz. And you can't wear certain colors. And you can't wear um, a skirt that's short. And, you know, and that whatever, like you're just scrutinized and you have to wait in long lines. I can remember when I was married to someone inside standing in long lines for hours and hours in pouring rain or in freezing cold waiting waiting to get in. Um, mm. I can remember sometimes getting to a visit, having traveled a long way and waited a long time and then suddenly the prison would be on lockdown and visits were canceled. Mm. Um, there are prisoners, families are subjected to strip searches. They're, um, they're kind of presumed... Um, suspicious. Mm. You know, I started visiting prison as a journalist, and when I was going to visit as a journalist, I would walk in with my bag, with my camera and my notebook and anything I wanted, really, my car keys, whatever, 
and just kind of waltz in. And the minute I became a prisoner's wife, I was, I was considered suspicious. I couldn't bring anything in. You could bring in change to use in the vending machines, um, and everything else had to get locked up. Mm-hmm. And, and I was considered possibly dangerous and suspicious. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, it was one day to the next. I was the same person. Um, so the, that concept of thinking of a young person as a suspicious being, um, I can also remember yeah, hold on, Amy, waiting. Amy yeah. we're going we're gonna to take a break on that note. It's <laughs> not a positive note to take a break on, but yeah, we're going to take a uh, break on the note of, you know, that family members can be held suspicious when they go to visit their loved ones. But we'll also turn this around and talk about some of the beauty that's happened. And I think one of the things is the book, you know, the anthology that I have in my hand, Dreamcatchers which is, you know, the, the poems and the stories. So you're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. My guest is Amy Friedman, and she is the collaborator and co-leader of this book, Dreamcatchers, which is Pops the Anthology, which is uh, stories from the pain of the prison system. And it's children and it's uh, significant others of people who are incarcerated. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get ready to go inside the lives of some of the top recording artists the music industry has known. Join host Troy Bronstein every week as he becomes a prince among queens. Troy discusses the careers and past, present, and future projects from these artists. And if there's time on each show, you just might hear some performance gems as well. Listen for Prince Among Queens every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. You. 
You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Patricia Raskin. And today we're talking about the effects of incarceration upon families and children. My guest is Amy Friedman, and she is the collaborator of this anthology, which is called Dream Catchers. And it's uh, the Dream Catchers was written by the POPs group. And POPs the club stands for, P-O-P-S stands for Pain of the Prison System. And this club emphasizes the values of dignity, empowerment, and community. There's also a curriculum. And this anthology has art, prose, and poetry created by its members and alumni. And Amy knows too well. She was married at one time to a man who was incarcerated. She's now remarried to the man who's helped her put together Pops. So welcome back, Amy. Good to, good Thank to talk. Thank you, Patricia. Good yeah, to be heavy, back. heavy subject, but important one. Important one. Um, you know, 25 years ago when you were working as a newspaper columnist and you fell in love and married a man who was in prison and raised his daughters, how did that experience shape your work? with Pops? Oh, everything about it shaped my work with Pops. Um, I, I, you know, because I have been for for way longer than I want to admit a, a writer and a writing teacher, and I, I teach memoir and personal essay, and one of the things that, in, that my teaching experience has shown me and my writing experience is that um, writing about personal experience and sort of coming to a deeper understanding of one's own story is very healing. So after, um, after I divorced my ex-husband, there was, there was a lot of pain. Um, I was sad that the marriage ended and sad about all the, all that I had been through and that my girls had been through. And I, I wrote a memoir about it that, that really healed me and all I kept thinking about during that time was how much I wished my daughters could be healed of so much pain that they had experienced. Um, so creating POPs, in a way, every time I work with a young person or I hear from a young person who has been helped by the experience of being part of POPs, by writing or drawing or painting, by publishing, it's like this little, you know, it's like one more kind of moment of joy. Um, I, I think everything about what I wished for my, my own daughters is what I wish for all these kids who are affected. Um, and also, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier on that it takes a village. You know, I'm certainly not doing this on my own by any means. We have a big board of directors and we have all kinds of volunteers and we have a wonderful staff and, and everyone, just, just the, the amount of time and energy and love and wisdom that people pour into, into these young people and the way that they blossom as a result is healing every single day. Well, um, I think that brings me to my next question. 
which is the people who come into POPs, this club that you created, what changes do you see in the kids? Ah, yeah, so many things. Um, let me say first that first it takes a lot of um, a lot of strength to first walk through that door. So not everyone has that strength. One of the tenets of POPs is that nobody gets sent. It's not like, oh, there's this club, you should go there because you have this problem, kid. It's, it's all self-selection. So mm-hmm. um, a young person has to say, you know what, I'm going to check this out. And quite often, um, this is another reason for the food, Quite often, the the reason they'll check it out or what they'll say is the reason is that they were hungry and they smelled some good food or something. Um, that's almost never, it's it's not that good. <laughs> it's almost never the reason people stay. Um, yeah. But what, you know, the I can tell you anecdotally, but also we've been doing some, um, a lot of surveying the last couple of years. Kids are staying in school as a result of POPs. Some kids who thought about dropping out. Kids are having healthier relationships both in school with teachers and peers and at home with family members. Um, I, can I tell one? I, this, there's one of my favorite stories is early on, there was a young woman who came. She, her friend forced her to come. Um, her friend knew that she had a brother who was incarcerated, and she kept saying, you need to come, you need to come, and this girl kept saying, no, 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 and finally she was hungry one day, so she came for lunch, and we were doing a writing prompt that day. I happened to be there, and the, I forget what the prompt was, but I could tell she was just looking kind of like, what? Why are they asking me to write something down? And I walked over to her, and I asked her, um, what brought her there? Um, and her friend said, you can, you can tell her, you know, and she kind of, a little tear fell from her eye and she said, well, it's my brother. Now she was about 15, 15 or 16 at the time. And her brother had been in prison since she was 10 or 11 mm. and they had not spoken because mm. she was angry at him. She felt mm. like he had betrayed her. Um, he'd been the most important person in her life. And so she was angry. So I said, why don't you just write him a letter that you're not going to send? You can tell him all the things you're angry about. And she left that day. She came back a week later. She had written a seven-page letter Hmm. that she had actually sent to him. And honestly, I'm not making this up. It sounds sort of magical, but their relationship from that day healed. And... Mm -hmm. He he actually has written for the anthologies. He's still incarcerated. He has a terribly long sentence, and um, and she she's now she's a graduate of the program. She's now twenty one or two, something like that. But um, but it just changed everything for her, and then for her younger sister, and then for the whole family. So mm-hmm. it it brought the family closer to each other. Um, it does that. Which is wonderful. Um, All right, we're going to take a break and then come back. And how can people find this anthology, Dreamcatchers? So the website, the publisher website is outofthewoodspress.com. Um, outofthewoodspress.com. And, and it's available through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and independent bookstores. Um, all the links are on that website, outofthewoodspress.com. Okay. 
All right, very good. All right, and when we come back, we'll talk more to Amy about, you know, uh, what she sees for the future. You know, uh, how are schools changing? Um, the children who come into the pops, you know, what are they? What are they doing? And uh, how is how? What does she see again? As I said, as we move forward. So you're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. And again, my guest is Amy Friedman, and Amy is the collaborator and collector of these amazing stories in the book, Dream Catchers. And it's from POPs, the club anthology, and POP stands for Pain of the Prison System. And this is an anthology of art, prose, and poetry created by its members and its alumni. All right, stay tuned, folks. Uh, We will be right back. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every week for Making Action Happen, hosted by Sarah Blackhurst. The program takes you inside Action 22, a Colorado-based community outreach organization established in 1999. The show focuses on public policies, both politically driven or not, which have ongoing and immediate impact on the Colorado community and the world. It doesn't matter where you are, you can make action happen. Listen Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and 1 p.m. Mountain Time on Voice America Variety. Join Chris Epting every week for the moment. Chris talks to some of the most amazing people you'll ever meet, including authors, artists, and athletes. And that's just the A-list. These celebrities and public figures have interesting stories that all showcase the moments that their lives took a certain dramatic turn, changing them forever and shaping them to be the person that they were meant to be. Listen for The Moment with Chris Epting, Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. And my guest for the whole hour is Amy Friedman who is an author and prison rights activist. She knows how children of people in prison feel because she offers them a safe and supportive space to share their feelings and to support each other in recognizing their strength and their resilience. Seven years ago, she launched a school-based program 
POPS the club, P-O-P-S, which stands for Pain of the Prison System, with her husband, a writer and high school teacher. And it started out as a single club. Today, there are 17 clubs, virtual meetings in five states. They emphasize the values of dignity, empowerment, and community. And POPS publishes an annual anthology called, which is of art, prose, and poetry created by its members and its alumni, and it's called Dream Catchers. Welcome back, Amy. Thank you. All right, future. What do you see for the future? So one of the things that um, myself and our board are working on is a, a strategic growth plan. So when when we first started and I went that day that I saw those two girls who first met and ran into each other's arms when they realized that they they had this secret in common, I turned to my husband and I said, I want to bring this to every high school in the country. I had no idea what I was talking about. I had never run a nonprofit, but I applied for nonprofit status and got it that year. And... Um, and we've been growing ever since. So we are now in 19 schools in five states and in conversation with people all around the country. Um, it's, it's, um, there are so many kids, you know, that, that, that statistic, that one in 14 children in the United States has a parent who is or has been incarcerated. And that means there are so many kids who are experiencing this particular kind of pain and um, need support, need to be, to know that that they're important and that their voices are important, are out there. So the, the plan is to keep growing um, and to keep bringing this to more and more kids. The other part of that plan is we have hired um, over the last couple of years um, some of our graduates. And, and so one of the visions is seeing this as an organization that is led by the people who've been part of it. Um, mm. They're the ones who really understand the power. And so one of our, our, our volunteer coordinator right now is a graduate of the program and is a spectacular person and, you know, really kind of deepens the meaning of the work we're doing. That's wonderful. Amy, this is a question I have, and I'm sure if I have it, listeners would love to know. It's kind of an inside personal question. But when you met your husband who was incarcerated, he was incarcerated at the time that you met him, correct? Yes, that's correct. Yes. What was the attraction? Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I don't have any problem with any personal questions. I am a memoir writer after all. The Initial attraction, um, you know, I mentioned earlier that somebody said to me, if you want to understand prison, you should, you should talk to the families. He was the person who said that to me. He was, at the time, um, at, at sort of a, a, a leader of, he was, the, he was the chair of the inmate committee, it was called, and he had decided he didn't want to talk to me. There were, I was talking to everyone inside. I was talking to staff and I was talking to guards and I was talking to teachers and I was talking to prisoners and so on. He didn't want to talk to me. And he said to me, the reason he didn't want to talk to me was that he felt that every time a journalist came in and wrote something about prison, it made life harder for the people who were in prison. 
But he said, if you want to understand prison, you should talk to the families. And I was so struck by that idea. Um, and I, I ended up soon after that getting myself invited by the warden to come to a family social, it was called, so that I could talk to, to families. Um, and I, I think his, his response to that was he was amazed that I actually followed through on, on his idea. And we began talking. He was funny and smart and very handsome and charming. Um, and, you know, I, I have to say, and, and I've written a whole book about this, so it's a, it's a complicated and long question. When I, and when I wrote the book, I, I had to go back to kind of day by day by day of when I met him, because honestly, the first thought I had, of course, was I can't be attracted to a prisoner. You know, I just like washed that idea away. And, it, you know, it built over time. Also, I met his children and I met his mother um, and I loved them. Um, so there was kind of the whole, the whole family was, I fell in love with. Um, nice. The, the reason we got married is a way more complicated question than we have time for in this yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, and we're, and we're actually, you know, coming to the close. Um, it's fascinating. It's fascinating, and maybe when, you know, we'll come back again and talk about it, but I, I assume you ended on a good note, and you are still friendly with the children and love them yeah. and, and moved on, moved on, and, and you're and still I doing the work. with each other. Yeah, I mean, he has gotten out. He... he is out. He's been out for years and years and years. He's doing well, and we are kind to each other and friendly, and um, you know, no, no hard feelings. Um, so, so your message for our listeners today: What would you like to leave our listeners with, Amy, about families who have uh, members who are incarcerated in prison? What's your What's your message? I, I think my message is that the reason this book matters is that inside of it you will understand how truly wise and deep and resilient and kind of full of hope these kids are. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, I think, make us all understand our whole culture in a, in a deeper, better way. Um, okay. It's not a sad book. Thank um, you. Thank you. And again, they can find it by going to pop, uh, let's see, out of the woods. Out of- outofthewoodspress.com or you can find Dreamcatchers um, on Amazon as well. That's an anthology. Yeah. All right, Amy, and, stay on the line for a minute. Go ahead, quick, because okay. I've only got 30 seconds. Quick. I was just going to say, and also on popsclubs.org. So okay. the links are on both. Thank you. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Uh, if you'd like to be uh, on my newsletter list so you can see all the great guests, write to me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com. Uh, if you would like to like me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. And if you're thinking of creating your own podcast, since I've interviewed about 5,000 people, I'd love to help you. So write to me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.